0: This. This, 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 is, this is
1: diversified, diversified. Game, game, game. Game.
0: a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kellen. He may
1: agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas.
0: So, let the game begin.
1: Hey, it's Kellen, and today you guys are in for a treat. This treat might disappear, it might reappear, because I have Randy Shine, a magician, full-time magician, who's done this worldwide. You might not have seen a magician that looks like this, and he comes highly recommended from our past guest, Brian Miller, who you guys really enjoyed that game. So, Randy Shine, welcome to Diversify Game. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Man, Randy, we we started to talk, and I mean, you just opened up a can of worms that just you know threw me off with the the Africa talk because everybody knows I love to talk about Africa. But tell me mm-hmm. about your your journey into magic because that's not an easy career field to get into. How did all this begin?
0: Okay, well, here's the story. Um. Let me start off by saying that I got started in magic, not when I was young, uh, not when I was a kid. Uh, I like to say I was well adjusted when I was a kid. I played soccer, wrestling, and chess. Those were my things, the things that I was interested in. It wasn't until I got into college, more specifically graduate school, and two things happened within the span of a month. Uh, I was TA in a class, and one of my students showed me a magic trick after the class. And then my roommate, who was my fraternity brother, um, he showed me a magic trick. And that, I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. So me and a couple guys started a club, uh, a magic club at Penn State, where I, where I was getting my graduate degree in health, in health education. <clears throat> it was just for fun. That's all. After I got my degree, I moved to South Africa because I was uh, doing research at the University of the Western Cape in Cape Town. South Africa. Met some some magicians down there because there's this place called the College of Magic in Cape Town. Uh, It's it's, it's a non-profit arts organization, but they just called it the College of Magic. And I went there and I just started being a guest lecturer there (laughs) uh, while I was doing research at the University of Western Cape. Down there for like a year, came back to the United States, Picked up a job, left that job, and started working at the University of Pennsylvania in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics doing research. At the same time, I was working on my PhD in public health. And then after a year doing both of those things, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do magic for a living. So I quit all of that, quit my job, dropped out of the PhD program, and I said, I'm going to give myself one year. Well, if if I didn't make it in one year, I'll go back. Well, it's been 16 years and I've never stepped face foot uh, in that university again or a job. So I've been performing literally 27 different countries, TV shows and you name it, corporate shows, cruise ships, all types of events I've been uh, performing. It's been a wonderful life. It's been a great journey. Wow, wow.
1: That is, um, you know, I, I, I love the courage to be able to stop all of that to do magic. Was it naturally that you were just gifted
0: in it? See, you know what? That's interesting because people who've seen me perform, they always said you have a natural talent for it. And actually, when I jumped right into it, other magicians would ask me, You've been doing this for a long time. I'm like, No, I just just started maybe a year or two ago when I initially started. They're like, Wow, you're really gifted for this. So I didn't think I was gifted, but other people in the industry and outside the industry say, hey, this is just natural to you. It is a gift for you. So I'll I'll take that.
1: (laughs) So when you, but when you started in, you know, as an
0: adult, did you, I mean, how many hours did you have to put in? Oh, just like anything else, you, you put in a lot of time, a lot of time, perfecting your craft, creating, reading, studying. Um tweaking, it it takes a lot of time. So uh, that 10,000 hour rule that we hear so often, yeah, I'll I'll put in probably more than that. And I'm continuing to put more more time into that because you always have to stay fresh and relevant. So you always have to come up with new effects, new ideas, new ways of presenting new clients. So I'm always putting in a lot of time.
1: What did your, your family say when you said, Hey, I'm I've dropped out of doing my PhD, I'm gonna become a magician? Uh so
0: that's that's funny. That's that, that well, quite frankly, friends, family, everybody thought I was crazy. They really did. They thought that, oh my gosh, this guy just went off and joined the circus. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what's wrong with him? No, seriously, seriously, my and my parents were just like. I don't know about this boy right here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The rest of the siblings, you know, but him. (laughs) Um, But that speaks to a larger thing to me. Uh, I understand the parents because the parents always want the best for their children and they want security for their children. Uh, But now, now, even maybe five years into it, when I started, uh, friends and family, they, 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 they will come to a show, see me performing. They're like, yo, man, I wish I could find something that I'm passionate about that I could make a living off of. Cause I hate my job. I really hate my job. And I'm, it's, it's just a check for me, but that's about it. And to me, it, uh, the bigger lesson is this, um, you have to pursue what you're gifted, what your talent uh, to do. And the income will, will follow. It really would. I'm a testament to that. Uh, the income will follow. Uh, people, uh, time to time, people would say, well, um, do you ever regret? And I'm like, no, it's the best decision I made. And they said, well, what if, how are you doing financially? And I said, well, let me put it to you this way. I paid off my entire undergrad and master's degree student loans just by performing magic just by performing magic. So let's put that in perspective right there. Uh, So yes, you can make a career doing virtually anything and even doing card tricks. The second thing people often say is, uh, they're like, oh, at least you have something to fall back on. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. But what am I going to tell an employer? Like, I'll go into an interview and I say, for the past 16 years, I've been doing card tricks, right? (laughs) (laughs) What redeemable skills do I have? I say that tongue in cheek because there are some skills you have because 10% of what I do is on stage. 90% of what I do is off stage. That's the business. That's the accounting, That's the marketing. It's, it's those types of things. But, yeah, uh, you just got to go out there and do it. No one questioned uh, uh, Dave Chappelle. They look at him now, but they don't know his grind. I like to say, because my last name is Shine, I, say, I like to say, you know my shine, but you don't know my grind. How did I have to get to this point? And that's for anybody, man. I, I'm always like empowering and, and encouraging people. Hey, if you want to do something, if you're passionate, it's not going to be easy. It's not. But it can be done. And I have this like formula that I like to tell, share with people that. I would guarantee you will be successful if you follow these three steps. And those are, number one, you have to have passion. And that's the easy part. And let's use basketball, for example, because I have some friends who are really into basketball. They can tell you the stats. They can tell you the players. They can tell you the history. They can tell you everything about basketball because they have that passion. They they look at ESPN every day. Mm -hmm. They go on NBA.com. Passionate. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to have the talent or skill. Now, it's either natural to you or you have to go out and get it. And so how do you get it? Well, you go to school, find a mentor, trade school, Google. That's what you do. I know some people who are are in careers just because they taught themselves off of videos they watched on YouTube. And they're in some great careers right now. Actually, it's a, a relative of mine. He taught himself how to design websites. And for the past 10 years, that's all. He works for a company that does uh, develops websites and does some other things at the back end of websites. But he, he doesn't have a degree in it. He just looked online and taught himself books. So you have to get the talent and the skill. Now, the third thing, the final thing, is the most important thing. And you won't know until you start this journey. And that is you have to have the temperament. And what I mean by that is this, let's use basketball again as an analogy. You're in college, you're on a basketball team. You got to get up, you got to go to the gym, six o'clock in the morning, work out. After that, breakfast. After that, class. After class, you got to go on a court, practice, run drills, run plays, and then you got to do it all over again. When the college semester is over, it's not done. Because someone is trying to get your spot and you're trying to get to the NBA. So you still have to stay in shape. You still have to go, you may go to clinics. You may work on your shots or drills over uh, the summer break. And you continue to do this with the hopes and dreams that you're gonna get into the NBA. Then once you get into the NBA, that's a whole different ball game. And so you have to deal with the injuries. Uh, uh, people always in your face. And if you're a superstar, you're going to be pulled in all directions sponsorships, agents, and everything like that. Do you have the temperament to deal with that? Do you have the temperament to deal with, man, I just uh, sprained my ankle. I'm out for a, a couple weeks. What am I going to do? That's a mental strain. And so, the te- even what's going on now with all the entertainers, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs with, with this crisis, this is the test. To see if you're built for this. So, uh, and do you know how to pivot? And so you, do you have the temperament to deal with all that? So if you if you have all three of those things, I guarantee you will be successful. Now, success is how you define it. It may be A-list celebrity status. It may be something else. But I will tell you one thing in, in meeting people and uh, 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 performing. Just because you don't know someone, just because they're not on TV, that's, and just because their songs are not played on the radio, doesn't mean they're, they're not successful. There's a whole lot of entertainers out here who have a great following, touring, selling out small venues, whether they're comedians, uh, singers, bands, magicians, whatever, that you may not even heard of and they're doing extremely well. They just don't have that spotlight on And I can give you an example of a group that, that well, now they're famous, but for a long time, they had a niche following, and that's The Roots, but right here from Philadelphia. They were performing on the corners of South Street in Philadelphia, and then they even, they even went to overseas, and that's where they got their, they did their first album, Organics, came back here. They were great, they had a following, Like you couldn't believe it was, they weren't selling out major stadiums, concert halls, or anything like this, but they had a great following. And you would go to Houston, Texas, and they're sold out. Yeah, maybe it's a place that only held uh, 3,000, 5,000 people but they were sold out, and you go to another city, they're sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. And They just kept on grinding, 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 and look where they are. They're the house band for Jimmy Fallon, and they're doing their own little independent things. Questlove is always the music director for some type of award show or something like that. Wrote books, Tyreek, the uh, Black Thought, he's doing all types of things, so yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love the roots. Root story. I'm from, from the Bay Area, from Oakland. So the roots, <laughs> and even Tech Nine, and I say yes, hey, folks, Yes, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I totally feel you. We, but let the people know. So when you quit all of that, mm-hmm. to going from you know, I, okay, I've practiced. I, I'm gonna quit in a fairly quick time then how do i get my first gig and how do i then say i'm a professional at this because that's people have a hard time pivoting saying hey i'm doing something you know for the love now i'm going to charge you and then i'm going to charge you a premium because now i've perfected it so how do you go from your first gig then to saying hey this is my premium price and, and how long is that time period for you okay
0: so Fortunate for me, uh, the friends that I ha- met in college that, were do- that, that we were just doing magic for fun, one of them became an agent. So when I quit, I called him up. And he was just a local agent. So he booked gigs in uh, Philadelphia, Jersey, Delaware, New York. Okay. The quad state area, I like to call it. So I called him up and I said, Brian, i quit my job. I want, to do a full, I want to become a full-time magician now. He said, great, I got your back. That week, he had me lined up doing gigs. Now, there weren't any big gigs. They were just doing, like, birthday parties, uh, summer community events, festivals, those types of things. And so uh, he, that's where it started. So I was great. This was great. And so he was able to charge a premium to the clients for me. Once I had some skin in the game and I started learning and Brian was a great, it wasn't the Brian that contact you, it was a different Brian. Uh, uh, Once I had some skin in the game and I just started studying and actually I started studying business, just getting books and reading magazines And taking those principles and applying it to magic in terms of the business side, then I knew that I could do this on my own. But still, you need an agent for certain types of gigs. So I found an agent that will will, will represent me for the college market. And then I found an agent who will represent me for cruise ships. Uh, But... The way I look at it, and it's, 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 it's kind of like based on a Tech Nine model. I'm glad that you said it because I saw this interview. Tech Nine and his partner, they have it, uh, their business model is thirty percent 33% 33%, 33%, 33%, 33%, which is uh, merch, tours, and album downloads and sales. Mine is uh, agent and then me. So it's 50 50. So my agents are specifically just for cruise ships, just for colleges. The rest is me in terms, and then that's my network and me advertising and marketing and, and things of that nature. So that's how I have it. And so then I'm confident enough now that I can charge a premium. Another thing that helped me out is when you're on television, whether it's local or national television, Every time you're on television, you can increase your, your, your rate, because now people perceive you as someone, it's, it's social proof. They're like, this guy's legitimate.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the TV, I mean, the,
0: the TV push. What was your first TV show that you did? Oh, believe it or not, it was just a local TV show here in Philadelphia, uh, they were just doing a segment of a show that I was producing called The Heart and Soul of Magic. That's when The Heart and Soul of Magic started. That was the first TV show. It was just local in the tri-state area, which is uh, Philadelphia, Jersey, and Delaware. Uh, then the next one, believe it or not, I filmed a commercial for a bank in Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next one. Uh, and then I did Penn & Teller Fool Us, and then Various uh, cities that where I was performing, they were like, hey, Randy Shine is going to be performing at this place. And, uh, you know, I could on TV, do a little spot. Uh, so, yes, you leverage that. You leverage that. And how long did it take for your
1: family then? Because, uh, you know, when you do, being an entrepreneur, you, it's, so you're on this, you know, tightrope by mm-hmm. yourself a lot of times and you have to go build up your tribe. Mm-hmm. And and when you have family who, you know, I mean, I've done this for mm-hmm. almost 20 years, you mm-hmm. know, and people, all right, how do you, what do you do? And they don't believe it. And I yeah. could only assume with magic, what do you do? And yeah. so, when did they start coming on board saying, hey, we support you and, you know, we're going to give you that support that
0: you, you, you need to go to the you know, next level? I think they all came on board at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents, they came on board when they saw me perform, when they came to one of my big shows here in Philadelphia. And then they were like, oh, my gosh. All right. This is legit what my son is doing. And then okay. something happened. They really they, they thought about like, wow, he hasn't even asked us for money, <laughs> to borrow money. So he must be okay, <laughs> right? So uh, I think that that's I think that's when I, my parents came on board when I did a big show in Philadelphia uh, with me and a couple other magicians. Uh, my sisters and well, my oldest brother he was always on board. He was always on board. Uh, My younger sister and my older sister, it took them a while. And I think when I got my first TV spot, that's when they came on board. They were like, okay, my my brother's doing this now. I understand. He can make a living. It's okay now. He's all right
1: awesome and the fact that you know you do have the grad school and mm-hmm. you know there, there are so many things that you you learn in grad school especially teaching I tell people if you didn't teach in grad school wow you missed out on a
0: yes you did. You did.
1: <laughs> um, I, I had a professor tell me hey could you go teach my website class because I've been teaching it two years and I don't even know how to build a website and I'm like
0: <laughs> <"What?"> right, <laughs> right. And, and so it's, it's the skills that I've learned uh, being in school that's translatable. So one of the things what I'm doing tomorrow, it's interesting, but I'm teaching since I've taught and I understand that and teaching is a skill. Uh, tomorrow, I'm doing a lecture for the Society of American Magicians online platform. So it's, last week, they had a thousand viewers. So this is natural to me. Teaching what I know, teaching first of all, teaching, then teaching magic to a bunch of magicians, oh, this is going to be great, so yeah, you're right, but those skills that I learned in grad school are transferable skills
1: now when you're doing um you know something that's out of the box, and every time someone says they want to start a business it there's a a risk. I remember the first time that I saw like what I call a i, I just i love magic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a magician, but the first time I was on an HBCU tour Mm -hmm. and little did I know who this person was Mm -hmm. or who they become now, but you know him as Kendrick Ice McDonald. And he was on the tour with us and he was doing magic and he's levitating. And we're like, what's going on? And through my years, I would, even in high school, I would meet other kids who'd want to do magic. Uh And they 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 didn't look like me. They didn't come from you know where we came from. But I tell them they like they're like wait you know who and how do you know who the masked magician is? Because at the time no one knew. And I'm like well I, I met this magician and you know and so you know Kendrick Ice McDonald is like when I see him now and I saw I see what he's become and I saw him in the documentary mm-hmm. that you were in how how. Quick did you find folks like that who are mentors who look like you because magic I mean you know it's not a lot of probably dreadlock <laughs> of who look like you so you know was that important to find
0: someone that looked like you that did it that could help you with the? yeah, yeah. first of all, let me say ice is my man <laughs> definitely and uh i I'm gonna tell you the importance of finding someone that looks like you as it relates to ice. But let's go back to college. Uh, a friend of mine said, do you know this gentleman named Hiawatha? And I'm like, who's Hiawatha? And he said, oh, here, he passed me this magazine. And it was a magic magazine, Genie magazine. And it was a picture of an African-American magician on the cover of this magazine. And he was in a dashiki, he had an African walking stick. And I'm like, yo! Someone that looks like me who's a magician. Wow. And he's on the cover of a, ma- a magic magazine. This is a big deal. My friend let me have it. I had the magazine to this day. Well, several years later, I met Hiawatha at this conference. And we're friends to this day. And it was just like, yo, you met someone that looked like you who was in this field, who's very uh, highly respected. When you go to magic conferences and and gatherings, it's not a lot of us. So Ice McDonald, I met him through another uh, Black magician, African-American magician in Florida, because I wanted to do that chill Heart and Soul of Magic. And I'm like, I need to find some Black magicians. So I called my friend Puck in Florida. He put me in contact with Ice. Ice flew over, and Ice Puck, me, and a couple other magicians, we did the show. That's what's my introduction to Ice. Then Ice, uh, we so happened to be at, a, at another magic convention. And I said, uh, we were talking, and I said, Randy, I th- let's take some time. We're going to get away and we're going to talk. Ice was the one who taught me. And actually, he literally put together my first press kit. And he said, You need a press kit. And this press kit is going to get you gigs because you're going to send this out to clients, potential clients. And ICE, at that meeting, he said, after he said, when this convention is over, when you go home, I want you to send me pictures, do a bio, give me everything you have that you've done. ICE literally put it together for me and sent it to me in the mail. So he's very instrumental in mentoring me about some of the business stuff and uh, a side of magic and helping me navigate not just uh performing for regular people but navigating the magic uh a community because like anything else there's a community if you're a writer there's this whole writer community uh if you're a poet it's bad even if you're with no matter there's always some type of community for something of people of like minds like interests and so he taught me how to navigate that and how to use that to to to, to network to to get on other things to get other for other opportunities so ice was very instrumental in it and together ice and i and uh two other, three other magicians we formed this organization called the international association of black magical artists ice was the first president actually simultaneously ice was the president of that and he was the first african-american president of uh, the society of american magicians the national body so he had his hands full, and he's very instrumental uh in the magic community in the magic community not just in uh the black magic community but Yeah, yeah, yeah he's one of the pillars he's definitely one of the pillars
1: and you know, you say black black magic. You know there there's the, the the dark side of magic. But if you put in black magicians, it's like dark magic still right. popping popping up. And it's like, oh, okay, we, we can't. But 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 I want to tie that in because uh-huh. my wife, being from Africa, mm-hmm. um, trying to have her go to her first show. And mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, we all played with cards and. Mm-hmm. And I, I just found out I was like, man, I'm a cheat. I'm not a magician. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but um when you talk in, in Africa about magic, sometimes people might be like, Wait, hold on, what type of what type of, you know, voodoo or whatever that you're doing? And it just depends who you're talking to. So you right. can, can you talk about how magic might be different in Africa, and is it different in Africa? And also, we're gonna get into that dark magic um, conversation and your opinion on
0: that. Woo, man. All right, this is complex. Mm. Because it's not just in in Africa how magic is viewed. It's also what you'll find in uh, religious circles here in America, Mm. okay? Uh, don't do magic, that's witchcraft. And historically, I'm going to give you a couple a of couple perspectives. Historically, there wasn't a separation between mathematics, science, religion, and magic. Historically, it wasn't. They all were tied in together. Uh, and, and, and for some, the principles uh, are, are, are intertwined some of the scientific principles that are out there, magicians, we utilize them to make, create our illusions and do our thing. Uh, So you gotta look at it that way. Uh, Then the other thing is that there is definite, other perspective that there is definitely a distinction between the two because one deals with supernatural uh, elements, forces. And the other one does not. It deals with uh, misdirection, physical misdirection, psycho- psychological uh, misdirections, like, and also, as I said previously, um, exploiting scientific principles to create this illusion. And then you have some people that they they combine both the supernatural and the what I would say the uh, uh, the magic as entertainment, so they combine both, and so uh, and from a historical perspective, I, I look at it this way. Um, the best example I could give is from the Bible, whether you believe it or not, but just 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 follow me with this, where Moses went to Pharaoh and said. Uh, he threw down his rod and it turned into a snake. And Pharaoh said, oh, my magicians could do the same thing. They threw down their rod and it turned into a snake. And Moses' snake ate the magician's rod. So basically, I mean snake. So basically right there was a battle between the supernatural, which was Moses, and Pharaoh's magicians, whom Pharaoh said, hey, I have magicians that can do the same thing so I I think that there's both of that in this world Uh, but then what is black magic uh, and I can get deeper into that, is it black magic because uh, it comes from Africa and has nothing to do with the skin but it's it's the uh, what is the word I'm looking for Anything that comes out of Africa is not good mentality, so it must be bad. So it's black magic, not just because of the melanin in the skin, but it's just bad because nothing good's come out of there. So it's complex. You follow me with that? I see so you smiling there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because I've I've seen it. Like, I, you know, I've seen it, and like, and I and people say, "What do you mean?" I say, "You wouldn't believe it." It's like it's you know, I, I could tell you something out of the scriptures, and you won't believe that either. Right. It, Some things you'd have to see to believe, and
0: so right.
1: But, and even if
0: you sometimes people see stuff and they don't believe it, and I will also say that anything. Can be used for bad. Anything could be used for bad. Uh, look at the look at the internet. It's a tool, but people are using it for bad to steal money out of people's accounts and and things of that nature. Does it make using social media and technology a bad thing? No. It's just people use it for for bad. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm gonna just throw this out there. Um, some people are like, oh my gosh, you know, the Bible's bad. The Bible's used to, uh, 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 well, the Bible's used was used was manipulated to justify slavery with the, hematic, the hypothesis. Does it make the Bible bad? No, <laughs> it was how it was used, <laughs> and so, but we can get in that debate at another, another time. But uh, about all of that, but what I'm saying it's how it was used. Yeah. Uh, so you can go down the line about uh, 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 different things in history that was the intention was for good but someone found a way to use it for bad so when you look at magic and what people are doing in, in Africa and other places Native American uh, things like that um, just think of it that way is it bad because They're using it to exploit and take advantage of people, or is it good because they're using it to help people? Mm. I don't know if that answered your question, and and I I, I, I don't have a side on that. I'm processing this after all these years because I see a lot of things, and so I'm not going to be judgmental, you know, of, of what people do and what they don't do, as long as they're not hurting people. And, and
1: so do you think that, it, you know, whether it's Africa or even certain circles or if, you, you know, if a church was to bring you in, they say, hey, you can come in. Don't bring in that, 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 that black magic, though. <laughs> right,
0: right, right, right. And, and see, that's the thing. I had to do that. I'm like, look, this is what I do. This is what I do. It's not this black magic voodoo stuff. I, I, I don't know anything about that for the first thing. I I, very little about it, but that's not what I do. And so what I tend to do is this. I show them a simple magic trick that they can get out of the library. And they're like, wow. And I said, well, let me show you how it's done. So I'm not really giving away any trade secrets that a professional magician would use. This is something that a trick that a kid will learn in school during story time or something. And I'll just put a little twist to it. And i said, well, this is how it's done. Now, you remember a couple minutes ago, you were like, wow, that's impossible. What are you doing? But now you know how it's done. It's okay now. Okay, all right. Let's start yeah. the show. <laughs> You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, in movies like, I think, um, The Prestige, uh, I think mm-hmm. that was one with Christian Bell. You know, nah. I, I love that movie. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. But it... it Mix that line of you know, wait, yeah, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if you ever, you know, folks ever go to Africa, I don't play with um the local you know, uh, witch doctor or her local doctor, I'm not playing with that because there, there's people who've created their whole fortune mm-hmm. off, uh, um, you know, is it, 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 I don't want to say selling your soul, but. <laughs> you know, people, it, it, it's, it's a mix that certain things you don't want to go in that door. Cause you may not come out. The, the and that's how I
0: am. I'm not going in that door. I'm not going in that door. <laughs> I'm not. So that's where I stand on that.
1: But yeah. Now you teach other magicians. And, and that was one thing that I remember when meeting ice and we, I mean, I was like 16, 17 and he explained how magic was so expensive. You know, mm-hmm. you, you had the schools or you had to go underneath somebody has that changed now
0: yes it has way? yes it has it has changed because of uh, technology like it has changed everything uh, it's magic still can be quite expensive uh it depending on what genre if you're dealing with illusions uh, and props yes magic is very expensive uh but because technology people are uh having private one-on-one sessions and 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 teaching people uh for a reasonable cost affordable cost now people are doing that uh people are exchanging ideas just hey i came up with this idea they'll email it to me or their friends or other magicians people are getting together like how we are and they're having these group sessions as we call where you may have 10 magicians on the line from all over the world and we're like exchanging ideas. And so that way, that's, that's free. You're not paying to learn a secret or anything. We're just, hey, I came up with this. I wanna share it with you. And hey, feel free to use it. Uh, we're gonna create something together today. So let's create it and all of us use it. So uh, it has changed a lot of how people can learn magic. Uh gone are the days, well, for the most part, gone are the days where you study under some people. I still think that's the best way. Uh studying under uh someone and books, as the old saying goes, the best if you want to hide something, put it in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been times where uh I'm with some other magicians and I do a trick and I'm like, whoa, where did you get that from? And I'm like, oh. This is a book that was 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 published in the seventies, and it was hidden in this chapter. They're like, for real? I didn't know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Now, with being able to do this, how how often are you on the road? Are you on the road 150 days a
0: week? Are you a mind yeah. reader? Because that's exactly what it is. Oh, okay. So, I, I, I I looked up uh what uh you know, when I was getting ready for my taxes and everything, I said, how many shows did I do this year? And it was like 150. I was traveling. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot. Uh, There's some magicians who do it more. I don't know why. Woo! But that's a lot. That's a lot. But, uh, yeah, 150 is really good. Really good. Oh. Oh, okay. And and are you, um, and and
1: I know you're going, you know, international does that ever get, you know, tiresome where you're like, you know what, I'm I'm just, I'm taking, you know, the rest of the the year off because I've been on the road or do you still have that, you know, I'm going to get everything I can get, especially in a time like this where everything is locked down. Right. Right. You know, um, is it ever get too
0: much? Um, yeah, but I don't have to take a, I, 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 I recharge quickly, so I would say, look, two weeks. I tell my wife, all right, two weeks. I'm not looking at magic, and I'm not thinking about magic, and I'm not doing magic. Where you want to go? It's just going to be just downtime. If you if we just want to stay home, fine. That's what we're going to do. That's it. Uh, I like traveling, but I don't like traveling. Let me explain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like going to other states, other countries, other cities, visiting. I like to get there a day before, explore the land, find out what's good. What is it like to get my finger on a pulse as much as possible wherever I'm at? I just hate the flying part. (laughs) TSA, they're always going through my stuff, (laughs) asking all types of questions. And that's the part I don't like about flying, traveling. If I could drive, I prefer to drive.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. How, and and relationship-wise, you, you know, you have your wife. Does she come with you? Or, you know, um, how, how does that work? Because many people who hit the road like that, you have to find that balance. You need to find it earlier. You're going to have problems.
0: Right. Well, I was fortunate enough that I met my wife when I was in a Ph.D. program. <laughs> she has the Ph.D. <laughs> so we call ourselves the magician in the sky. <laughs> so, uh and she, 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 knew, she was there when I left the Ph.D. program and, and, and to pursue magic. So she understood what I was pursuing, and she's been very supportive of that. Very supportive of that. So there's been times where, for example, I was on a 30-day cruise, uh, mm-hmm. and I had my wife fly in and join me at one of the port and get on a cruise with me for some time. And then when we got to the next port, she went home. So to keep that balance going on. And as I said, uh, there's times when i said, say, look, I'm not doing anything for two weeks. It's all about you, honey, me and you. Forget, it. I'm not thinking about magic. I'm not answering an email, no phone calls from the agents or anything. So I'll just, you know, it's just me and her uh, doing, you know, having fun, whatever. Um, but also when I'm traveling, it's sometimes it's not like back to back back to back back to back. So I may have uh, a couple days in between. So I'm I'm, I'm I may be in uh, LA for a week at the Magic Castle, and then i fly home. I'm home for three or four days, and then I'm in Wisconsin for something else, and then I'll fly home. Uh, and And do that, so I just could be home just to keep that balance and take care of things at home that needs to be taken care of because you know that's I think that's important to maintain that relationship with, with with your spouse, particularly because she's very supportive of what I do and i'm supportive of what she does uh, she works hard and uh, she has her own um Business, in addition to her her nine to five, she's a wedding planner, an event planner. And so she just kicked that off three years ago and that's doing well. Well, now (laughs) that's a different story, but yeah, it's, it's doing well. So she's busy also. So yeah, it works out.
1: Okay. See, I would I, I would have cheated if I was her and said, Wait, I got this wedding planning business. I'm gonna bring in you and say, Hey, I, I
0: have someone who can do this for the wedding, that for the wedding. Oh, she does that. She oh, does okay. that. <laughs> no, she does that. Yes, she does. She she's gotten me several gigs. Weddings and different events. Yes. Okay. okay.
1: okay. You 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 would have been the chaplain and you know he <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, we we gonna make this business. It's gonna skyrocket because I got a hack. that exactly. you know, Yeah. No, no, that 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 is that is awesome. You ever, as as a magician, you know, especially with your wife, mm-hmm. ever play any games where you know things may just you know just any magic games? Just she's like, okay, that was you.
0: <laughs> you know, or no, I. I don't show my wife any magic tricks. The only time she sees magic is if she comes to one of my shows. OK. And and I'm going to tell you the reason why. Uh, I know too many magicians who magic is is their entire identity. Mm. And they're always dragging their wives to magic shows, are always showing their wives magic, 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 magic where the wise, like, you know what, magic is your mistress. I'm out, literally. (laughs) I'm out, They divorce. And I'm like, that's not fair to anyone because I know how I would feel if someone is just like, this is all I got to see here 24 seven, nah. So I made it a point earlier on in my career. I said, even before I got married, I said, any relationship I'm in, nah, mm mm-mm. That's my job. I'm not going to bring my work home. Uh, I may talk about work occasionally, but no, I'm not going to bring it home. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool.
1: Okay. Oh, and some of them make their, you know,
0: their wives their assistants. Uh, you that's know, that's great. That's great. I know a couple of people who are like that. That and that is great. That is great. Their wife is just as passionate about it as they are. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes their wives are better than the magicians. Oh. Seriously, I've seen that. <laughs> wow.
1: That, that's crazy. That is, is crazy. So you, you really know how to separate it and magic mm-hmm. is not your life. It's just what you do. Mm-hmm. O- outside of magic, what are some of your interests or do you have other business ventures that you've gone into?
0: Well, well uh, any other business ventures that are, are, are related to magic, whether it's teaching, uh, mm-hmm. writing, uh, those types of things or consulting. That's business side business but it's related to magic but my other things that I'm interested in and uh, brace yourself because everybody look at me like I'm crazy I am a self-proclaimed connoisseur and historian or professional wrestling (laughs) (laughs) okay anything about professional wrestling WWF, WWE NWA, New Japan wrestling, Lucha Libre wrestling that is my thing Wrestling, politics, religion, and, uh, and uh, uh, personal finance. Those, those are those four things that I'm passionate about, and I would talk about probably more than magic. <laughs> those things. And if I had to put it in the order, it will be, be a close tie between professional wrestling and personal uh, money management and investing, mm. and then religion, then politics in that order.
1: Okay. So we need to then see you, like, um, because I guess wrestling is um, a necessary thing. I think it was in Florida. Um, Like, uh, you know, you've got it. Vince McMahon, we we, we need to
0: (laughs) holler and say. We need to talk about that. And see, when I say I'm I'm into wrestling, I'm really into wrestling, because what I and this is where wrestling and the politics uh, coincide. Vince McMahon is a big uh, uh is a good friend of Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, Vince McMahon's wife, Linda McMahon, who mm-hmm. ran for a political position in, in uh Connecticut, I think it was the governor, I believe it was governor or Senate, Senator. She lost twice. Uh Donald Trump gave her, appointed her the position of the Small Business Association. Yeah. Uh she left that a year ago and uh She's the head of a political action committee for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, Vince McMahon has his, his, his performance center in uh, Florida, Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were planning on uh, shutting it down for, for a taping because of the virus. Well, for some reason, <laughs> the governor of Florida said, oh, we're going to open up. When you look behind the scenes, why did Linda McMahon give the state of Florida $18 million? Yeah. You start to think about that. Uh, we know the connections. Let's connect the dots, follow the money, as they said. Now, I'm i am be honest. I may offend some people, but I'm i am OK with this. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. No, I'm not a fan of him at all. But—but. Uh, but, My interest in wrestling, politics, and personal finance, this is where all this comes together. And you're looking at all this, you're like, wow.
1: Yeah. I remember when the SBA made her that, because I was um, dealing with the SBA for Mm. something. And I love the SBA, because we move around every four to six years. Mm -hmm. And you need to connect. And those people... Well,
0: yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: But they were, you know, all excited like some magic was going to happen. I said, unless I see, you know, um, Jimmy Snookerfly or somebody, you know, coming <laughs> off. <on."> I mean, <laughs> there, there's no, there's no magic. But the SBA did need a um, an overhaul because they, the government they're just so used to doing things in old school way. Right,
0: right, 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 right. So uh, w- when you look at all this stuff, it's all fascinating to me and how it's connected. Yeah. Uh, and the lesson in it is, uh, we, we you really have to understand how money works and how it moves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and once you understand that, you 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 can make the right decisions and position yourself so you will be okay. Yeah, so that that's the way I look at it. That's what. But this to me, this is also about wrestling. There's, there's a relationship between wrestling and magic, and basically, to make it short. It's all about the suspension of disbelief, because you know it's not real. You're going to suspend all that, and you're just going to enjoy it, because we know these guys are not hitting each other uh, for real, and we know it's not a real fight. Now, of course, they do take chair shots, and it does hurt when they're jumping off the, being slammed on the, on the mat. Yes, it does hurt, but, and, and the outcome is predetermined, but we, we, Anyone who's seen a fight, just look at mixed martial arts. This is nothing like this. This is choreographed. But we sit back and we just enjoy it. That's all it is. It's soap opera for men. (laughs) I I watch with my my, my two uh, little
1: girls and you know i tell them when we even watching lucha libre cuz they really like that one mm-hmm. and we'll be on pluto and we're watching that mm-hmm. and they're like hey that it didn't look like he hit him i said just watch because to me <laughs> i still got that kid mind of right. this right. is as real as it, it gets without somebody dying right, and, right. And people and people have died and oh, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah unfortunately hit yes. it. Mm-hmm. unfortunately yes people have died
1: yeah, you know, and, and people I you know, I mean I'm I know there's magic tricks of like folks trying to copy Houdini who, you know, have given their life for their, their art.
0: Yeah, there's um there's a trick that 13 magicians have died from, maybe more now, but thirteen is it was a book. And it's called the bullet catch. Mm. But essentially someone is firing a gun at you and the trick is that you're supposed to catch the bullet in your mouth. Yeah. 13 people have died performing that trick. Literally died performing that trick. So, uh, yeah, people can die. People d- drowned. Uh, there's a trick that a uh, uh, few people got injured, and you can look this up on YouTube. It's, it's, called, it's called a roulette routine where you have uh, a spike hidden under uh, a cupboard with a bag, and there's four or five bags, and someone mixed them around, and you're smashing, trying not to hit the spike, but you don't know where it's at. Well, there's a video out there where people are messing up, and psh, you see the spike goes right through their hand. So uh, there are tricks out there that can be uh, detrimental to your health and your life that magicians are doing, and it's not fake. If, if, if you, psh, choose the wrong one if your method is not sound your arm's gonna your hand's gonna be injured if something goes wrong and you're tied up in chains and you're underneath this tank with water
1: yeah yeah not and everybody doesn't doesn't need to be and try to copy whoever they see on, on TV Let's make sure right, right for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know in in, in my, my my last bit of question. I, I always like to ask people, because you can make the money, you can travel the world, but no one ever seems fulfilled unless they're giving back. So what is your community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future?
0: Okay, I could tell you that. All right. Uh, the most recent thing is me and my wife, we sit on this board of this organization called Joe Jake's Place. Uh, it's a wonderful organization. We, we give our time and our money. Bill Jake's Place builds playgrounds for children that have disabilities. Mm. So all the rides are, uh, are customized for children. If a child is in a wheelchair, there's a customized swing where they can roll their wheelchair off and it swings. So they just like a child if they just sit in the uh, a swing like that. And so there's all types of rides. We're in the process of raising funds to build a zip line. For children with disabilities so that's one of the things the other thing i do personally is it's called random acts of kindness my name is randy random you <laughs> get it mm-hmm. um every year october 18th that's my birthday i do random acts of kindness and uh, and what i do unannounced i would do something so for the past couple years this is what i've done i gave money a scholarship to three graduating high school uh, students. Uh, I, I literally, literally went in the streets of Philadelphia, found some homeless people, asked them what they want to eat, went and got it for them and sat down exactly wherever they were and had a meal with them and paid for their shelter, for them to go into a shelter for for a couple weeks. Uh, gave, uh, raised money for we not raised, gave money for a, a, a nonprofit organization that deals with HIV and AIDS, that, deals with, uh, that helps the African-American community. So every year I come up with something. It, it, I just to, it, that the spirit just has to hit me like, Randy, um, this is the organization you're going to uh, help. This is the person you're going to help. It's unannounced. I show up, random act of kindness. This is it's my birthday. This is how I celebrate my birthday every year helping out, giving back to somebody or some organization. Now, uh, the organization for that, I have strict criterias, personal criterias. It cannot be a large organization because it's easy for those large organizations like the United Way and the Red Cross to generate funds. It has to be a community-based organization that's out there, uh, uh, really boots to the ground doing work or someone who really uh, is in need of something. And the way I see it is, because I got some, ki- I got some um, kickback uh, uh, about what I do. And they said, oh, you should just do this stuff in private. You shouldn't be announcing it and everything. I don't look at it at, it, at, at, at it that way. Uh, I look at it as me doing it and saying that I'm doing it. Hopefully that will inspire someone else to do something on their own terms that's the way I look at it. And if I can inspire someone else say, hey, that's kind of cool what Randy's doing. I'm gonna do that for my community or on this day or whatever. And so that way we get to, everyone gets an opportunity to give back. And I also believe that when you give back and it sounds so counterintuitive and years ago, years ago, ask me when I was in my twenties, it never made sense to me. But -hmm. when you give back and you help someone, it comes back in ways that you don't even realize. It may not be financial, it may not be a gig, but it comes back with, to you in ways that you don't even realize. And you're like, yo, that's a good thing. But it also makes you feel good that, you, that, that, that you're able to help someone or organization. Uh, and, I, and, and that's very important to help people. Uh, and you get to choose who you want to help. I'm not telling you who you help, as long as you help someone. Because we all need assistance at some point in time. It's not it, it's when. So that's how I look at it. And I think that's very important. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: You guys, we don't want to give you a game overload, but you've learned how to go with your passion, find your purpose. You found how to, you got to live to give or give to live. I mean, if you're like, not doing that. Like that. <laughs> and you also need a team and Randy has shown you all of those things in this interview because you know so many times entrepreneurs are trying to do it themselves you got to get a team that means you have to pay a team and you hear Randy talking about the 50-50 it's not just on the agents it's on me so so you don't get a game overload I hope you take notes I want you to rewind go back so you can you know, take it to the next level no matter what you're doing Randy
0: I thank Thank you for coming on thank you it's been a pleasure i know i talk a lot but that's just my passion that's coming out that's all
1: well if you did it that wouldn't be a good interview anyway if you were just mute and miming so that's what we need to be able to teach people to live in their purpose and so you guys make sure you like share subscribe do all that good stuff comment ask questions but no game overload here you've gotten the game be blessed peace Are we good?